The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Dr. Lydia Miljohn is uh, with the Faculty of Political Science at the University of Windsor, and she has been with us over the past couple of months taking a look at, um, at this government uh, during COVID. And we've been talking about, you know, as recently as just a couple of weeks ago, of what was expected to be in this. Uh, uh, throne speech. Dr. Miljohn joins us once again this afternoon. Welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Okay, what did, uh, I mean, at times it was hard to keep up what was, uh, what was uh, being said. Your, your initial thoughts on what you heard this afternoon? Well, it is something <laughs> for everyone. Um, it is uh, probably the most, um, I guess, expansive agenda I've seen in a long time. They've gotten everything from a national daycare program to national pharmacare, broadband, internet, you know, mm-hmm. subsidies uh, for individuals, for businesses, uh, you name it, they put it in this document. So what it is, are they just trying to throw everything they can at the wall and see what sticks and try to make as many people as happy as possible right now and realizing they're making a lot of people really well, I think the only people that they wanted to make happy, at least my reading of it, is the NDP. This this document uh. could have been written by Jack Nate Singh. It certainly <laughs> um, uh, gives him everything he asked for leading up to the throne speech, and it ensures that the NDP will support them moving forward. Uh-huh. Uh, the question really is, you know, what are the what are their priorities actually going to be? They said number one is dealing with the pandemic, and and. I think that that they will do, but all the rest will have to see how and when they think it's going to pan out. I don't think this is really their agenda for the next six to 12 months. I think what they're thinking is this is their um, sort of their platform um, in an upcoming election next year and what they'd like to do in their third mandate if they're given it. Okay, interesting stuff. I mean, there are some, you know, extending again some some help to those who have lost their jobs to to small business, that sort of thing. That is going to be some good news, of course, for folks out there. When we talk about uh, women, the economy, and, and child care, and I know there's some blowback on my text line coming in about that this afternoon, um, but the numbers show that women were hit really, really hard during this pandemic, traditionally because of, of, of the roles or the jobs that they do take on, whether it's in retail, whether it's in hospitality, also trying to find childcare as well. This childcare program and this this uh, this um, this promise to to help women. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I, I acknowledge that a lot of women um, have had a hard blow when it came to the pandemic, simply because daycares were closed. So, in ter- and certainly in the short term, even if we are going into a second wave and daycares are sh- closed, I don't know what a national daycare program is going to do for anybody uh-huh. because you couldn't take them to. I mean, we're already complaining that kids are going to school. Um, so this is what I mean when I say that they're really looking much further down the line in terms of a national daycare program. So once the pandemic's over, then they basically are making the argument that we have to have safe, affordable daycare spaces to ensure that women go back to work because we don't want them to fall further. Because behind uh, again it, it, it's noble but that it's just always about you know where can you pay for it we already have um early child you know we have a, a direct benefit for families uh, to pay for for early childhood care we don't have this national daycare program which the liberals have been promising since you know the 19 early 1990s when i mm. started having children and you know mine are all 
raised and, and um, so there's there's a whole generation that's been raised without having it and once again we have the liberals making the promises and so the question is will they actually deliver this time or is this again just something a cynical ploy to ensure that the NDP support them um, in the mm-hmm. vote of confidence. Yeah, so they can get through the the next little while. Um, Of course, not a lot of details on all of this. We'd expect um, more details to come in in a budget. Um, Doctor, I have to ask you, because I loved your answer last time we talked, uh, (laughs) and here it comes, on on greening uh, the economy, and you said that you expected uh, more of a word (laughs) word salad (laughs) on, on that one. I think I put words in your mouth when I said blah 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 but uh, you know it might my listeners are like okay my first text today was okay was that a word salad or not so your thoughts was it a word salad well I mean certainly it was a lot more detailed than I expected it to be um, mm. but you know once they start talking intersectionality I'm like oh there's my I should you know it's almost <laughs> where I want to have a drinking game uh, when they have these buzzwords and certainly the, the greening of, of the economy one they, they really want to hold on to that uh, yeah. there was very little with respect to oil and gas sector, they didn't really want to mm-hmm. talk about that, um, and and sort of leaving people. You know, you, that's a big fear, and I and I know the sensibilities of the people in Alberta is that you don't want to be left behind. As much as the government says they care about the middle class, they care about workers. We know that they tend to care more about workers in in Quebec than they do in other parts of the country. And so this idea that you're going to have a green recovery, it just doesn't come out of nowhere. We don't really have the technology yet to replace the efficiency of the of the the carbon-based um Mm -hmm. energy sector and and so this is a a major concern that they like to say these words i mean even the idea of of planting what did they say two million two billion trees they they asked they they promised that two years ago and we still Mm -hmm. haven't seen a tree planted you know, um, the parliamentary budget officer has has warned that the deficit's going to be unsustainable, unsustainable if if not rolled back within one or two years. And and you know, the big question, of course, in everyone's mind is how is everyone going to pay for this? We heard a couple of I don't know I don't know if you call them throwaways or not, but talking about uh, taxing extreme wealth inequality and talking about a pledge to tackle corporate tax avoidance, that sort of stuff, and web giants. I mean, that's 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 you know kind of peeing into the wind isn't it well i mean the thing about extreme wealth is that they can put their wealth anywhere so and there's only so many people that are really wealthy as much as this government likes to talk about protecting the middle class the reality is that they are taxing the middle class and and really you know if you have these these massive uh spending programs it sort of reminds me of the spending programs of the 1970s and then the consequences we felt in the 1980s essentially you've got to either increase taxes cut spending or print more money and uh, the printing of more money essentially means that you're going to have inflationary pressures and having lived you know started my career back in the ni- early 1980s it was a horrible time we had double digit inflation you know we, we, you know when, when mortgage rates were at 18 percent you can imagine how devastating that is to families uh, to the middle class there were no jobs we had double digit unemployment and it was only with the fiscal restraint that we saw in the 1990s oddly enough through Jean Chrétien's work and Paul Martin that we were able to get our debt 
down and our deficits conquered so that we could be in a position where interest rates could go down. So, you know, they're, they're playing a little bit with fire here, thinking that the, mag- the, the money is just going to magically come out of, uh, out, of the, out of the air. Interest rates are low right now because we have good fiscal sense, but they don't necessarily remain that low if you tend to increase uh, the size and scope of government. Dr. Miljohn, thank you so much. It has been a pleasure to have you uh, join us uh, for your analysis over the past number of months. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Nice talking to you. Yeah, all the best. Dr. Lydia Miljohn joining us this afternoon, uh, Associate Professor of the Faculty of Political Science at the University of Windsor. So, yeah, I mean, as as we said, you know, we talk about uh, the deficit and we talk about, uh, you know, what is going to happen there. There's there's talk that it could be up, uh, what is it, $343 billion this this fiscal year and and um, and uh, credit rating agencies are, are concerned you know those are our, our, our red flags you know when we don't see plans on how to pay things back um, there are you know very few hints on on how that is going to happen and again it, that, that's not necessarily going to happen in a throne speech maybe we see that uh, in in a budget coming up here in in weeks ahead but as you heard Um, The Governor General say that uh, this is not the time for austerity.